This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Good afternoon. My name is Anthony Weiner. Welcome to The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Heard on WABC Talk Radio every Saturday between 2 and 3, right before Left versus Right, when Curtis Lewa comes in and joins. All right, here's a confession. I just heard that bumper for the first time. Just for those of you who are regular listeners to the show, and I really want to express my gratitude. There have been a lot. Uh, the ratings are very good, and things are going very well here, and I'm grateful for so many people tuning in. But for those of you who have been paying attention a bit, you're probably getting a little bit of whiplash. Like, what are they going to call this hour? And um, I kind of like the name The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But they lost they, so many opportunities. i got to make a memo to Kevin. I'm not sure he gets email. Maybe I'll tie a note to a brick and just throw it through the glass here. Rich and Diego maybe will protect him from it. But we could say all kinds of things, like in the middle of the conversation, here in the middle of the day, uh, or... Fresh from the middle of the controversies, it's Anthony Weiner. Anything like that, we didn't even make any use of the whole middle thing. But the whole idea is just that. Like, this is the middle of the day. It's the middle of the weekend. Hopefully, you're in the middle of some good times with your family. Hopefully, you're in the middle of enjoying the real blessings of your life and around family. And if you're dealing with some challenges, hopefully, the middle means you're on the way out of them. Thank you so much for joining us. Listen to us every week, as I said, between 2 and 3, right before... Curtis and I go at it on left versus right. You can always listen to this on WABCRadio.com from anywhere that you are. You can download it as a podcast anywhere you get podcasts. And if you want to reach out to me, obviously you can do it on the telephone. We would love to have you. The listeners are the bread and butter, the backbone, the spine, the spirit, the soul of this show, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I hope that as we've been getting a lot of mail about proposed names, um, that people uh, either say they like this one or suggest a different one. You can also reach out to me directly, Wiener, W-A-B-C at Gmail. At Rep Wiener is my Twitter. What else is there? Facebook. I don't really – I'm not a big social media guy. For those of you who know my history, social media has never been that kind to me, but I think Anthony D. Wiener is where the um, Facebook page is. Rich Diego and Kevin on the other side of the glass. Thank you so much for joining. This is a beautiful day, and in all seriousness – um, I am really grateful. Uh, last week, you might have heard they called it the Anthony Weiner Show. When we update the the uh, show page on WABCRadio.com, hopefully it will update with the middle with Anthony Weiner. And I mean it. I, I don't consider myself the middle politically. I'm a progressive guy. I'm a Democrat, probably not more in the center of today's Democratic Party. But what we try to do here each week is to try to take a look at the issues of the week, take a little bit of a step back and try to figure out if there's more depth we can bring to the issues. Sometimes I 
agree with the takes of the other hosts here on WABC Talk Radio. Sometimes I don't. But I'm reminded that John and Margot Katzmatidis, when they lifted this station up out of the trash heap, they had a couple of kind of guiding principles, a couple of North Stars. One was when the news comes on, that's straight down the middle. All has to be true. All has to be factual. When the opinion guys and women come on, they can have their opinions. But a certain amount of common sense needs to be the North Star. And that does not mean you can't be a Democrat. doesn't mean you can't be a Republican. And as I've tried to say here before, we try to push away from the fringes of the two parties and focus on the middle. And that's why we're calling it that. So I'm really grateful to have you aboard. A glorious day outside. And hopefully you're getting up to to enjoy it. A great day if you're a Ranger fan. I've told you before, I'm an Islander fan, but it is hard not to take this team very seriously. You know, the Tampa Bay Lightning had not lost a game after, you know, two consecutive games in the playoffs in 18 straight games. That was a record that was not just a hockey record, that no baseball team has done that, no basketball team has done that. I think the Celtics came the closest. And they won last night 3-2, to two, and it was a, an excellent game. The Rangers look good. Their, their kid line is amazing. I mean, Sooner or later, when you have a number one overall draft pick, a number two overall draft pick, and a guy named Capo Caco, you really should be pretty good, and they are coming along very quickly. Tough day for the Mets. I could not pick Tyler Anderson out of a lineup, but he shut down the Mets last night. The Nets, off that, off that hot streak they had, are seeing what real baseball looks like out visiting the Dodgers, but they are still doing very well. And the Yankees, wow, the Yankees have had some amazing pitching back-to-back. Garrett Cole yesterday... Got to the seventh inning, holding a perfect game. And the day before, Jamison Jamison Talon, Italian, you know, again, I'm not a Yankee fan, so if I get their names wrong. Um, This is a great day for New York sports and a good day to be out there playing baseball. Some fun things going on in the city. Tonight, Don McClain plays at Town Hall. I think he's going to do a two-hour and 18-minute version of American Pie. And then um, what are some of his other songs? I should I should check in uh, w- with with some of our hosts later on when they do the oldies music and find out some of the more Don McLean songs. He's going to be at Town Hall tonight, and this is a little bit of a big deal. Jordan, you know, uh, um, whom is traveling, and so Jordan is home alone without a babysitter. It's ten and a half years old. Uh, he said he was willing to try it out. That means probably, technically speaking, his iPad and an NHL twenty two video game or babysitting for him, but. I'm of two minds of this. On one hand, I'm this is a big step. He's staying home alone without a babysitter. Um, and on the other hand, it's one of those things in life. You know, you want your little guy to grow up and to take more responsibility, but there's a little bit of a pang of another passing. So he is uh, he is there. And if he if he calls in um, and wants to talk sports, we may put him on the line. Uh, so there have been some updates this week on some of the issues that we've talked about. And then I'm going to talk about one that has not gotten enough attention here on the airwaves at 770. And um, we're also going to have a guest who's going to offer her perspective on that. But to the updates, a couple of numbers in the news. H.R. 7910, that is the bill that is going to be voted on by the House of Representatives, I think, next week to deal with some of the onslaught of gun violence that seems to keep piling up and piling up, as you heard in the news break leading in another shooting, even just since last week. That's a, a, a bill that is going to be passed in the House of Representatives almost definitely. It passed out of committee, putting a ban on assault wife, rifle, uh, uh, large capacity with large capacity magazines, raising the age from 18 to 21 for anyone to be able to buy one of those semi-automatic weapons. 
They're going to tighten the laws that allow straw purchasers to buy 15 or 20 or 30 guns and then sell them any way that they see fit. They're also going to do some things to take the lessons that responsible gun owners have taught us about the best way to store firearms and the best way to regulate that storage and offer people tax incentives if they need to buy gun lockers, if they need to buy technology that helps them secure their guns to do that. The bill also... um, bans and codifies the prohibition against bump stocks, which bump stock is a thing that you can put on your semi-automatic weapon to essentially make them like machine guns. Uh, That was in use in the horrible Las Vegas shooting and other places. And it's going to make it tougher to get these ghost guns, which are kits that are put together. Now, that's not all that needs to get done. Congress is probably going to do other things, mental health things, red flag laws and the like. Um, But it's also worth noting this week that a guy named Chris Jacobs, who you might not know unless you're one of our listeners further upstate New York around the suburbs of Buffalo and further north, member of Congress, hadn't served a long time, didn't serve when I was there, served one term, was running for re-election, and was probably going to win, and he came out for tougher gun regulations. And one by one, all of his Republican conservative supporters who are of the you know official capacity, meaning the county leaders and things like that, withdrew their support, and he announced he would no longer be running because I think he saw the handwriting on the wall. He couldn't win in that district without that support. So that's a little bit of a of a of a note about how toxic this issue is in some corners of the Republican Party that you can't even say you're willing to consider new gun regulations. Also, this this week, the jobs numbers came out for the month of May: three hundred ninety thousand new jobs created, which is a great number. You know, there are, you can make an argument now that Joe Biden is earning the title as the jobs president. The, the job growth continues to be very, very high under his administration. But another number that, that came out is 54.1. That is the real clear average of the disapproval of Joe Biden. He is approaching record levels of unpopularity. Only 40 percent, 40.8, I think is the average. And what they do, these averages, they take a lot of polls, with a lot of different methodology, and they average them together. This way, one outlier poll doesn't distort everything. He is remarkably unpopular. And it's because, you know, you can say, hey, I created a bunch of jobs. But if you're not one of the people that got those jobs, but you're still one of the persons that is paying six six fifty at the pump or is seeing, you know, your, your cost of food going up by 15 percent and the like, inflation is just killing him. The markets are not doing much better, so he is very unpopular. And I guess, you know, I, 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 he's creating a lot of anxiety, not just for Democrats. I mean, not just Republicans, but a lot of Democrats are also starting to take a look at the, the clouds that have formed on the horizon around this year's election and are starting to think a little bit about 2024. So those are some of the things that we had on uh, uh, going on this week. But I want to talk to you about an issue that I think hasn't gotten a great deal of attention. And if you'd like to, to call in at any point to talk about any of those things or the name of my show or anything else that's on your mind, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We'll be here at the middle every Saturday from 2 to 3. And then at 3 o'clock, Curtis Lee will coming in. Curtis is, I have a feeling, going to have a field day with me, keeping changing the name of my show. Um, you know, he has been... A guardian angel since the beginning and hasn't changed. He didn't w- wake up one day and say, all right, I'm going to start wearing a blue hat. So I'm sure he's going to give me a hard time about that. But I want to talk to you about a serious issue, and we're going to have someone on after the break to talk a little about this as well. It was mentioned in passing, one of those announcements that sometimes the administration does, but they don't do officially. They kind of float a trial balloon. In this case, it was that Joe Biden was going to visit Saudi Arabia at the same time as he did a trip to Israel in the Middle East. And 
I'm a Joe Biden supporter. It's getting harder every day. I'm a Joe Biden supporter. But one of the re- one of the things I think that he has a really good record on is he very clearly stood up during the campaign and said that when he gets into office, he is going to treat. And I, this is almost a direct quote, treat the Saudi Arabians as a pariah country that they are. And let's face it, they are. Um, 15 of the 19 homicide bombers that attacked my city, Shanksville and the Pentagon, were Saudi citizens. They are widely believed, and to the point that there's no longer any dispute, that they slaughtered Jamal Khashoggi and cut him out, cut up his bones in 2018. Uh, someone who, by the way, um, was a journalist and was a U.S. citizen. They fund Al Qaeda. They fund Hamas. They fund Hezbollah. They fund the Taliban. They fund the exporting of Wahhabism, the most radical form of Islam around the world, and including funding textbooks in schools all around the world, ostensibly to provide education for young people, but what it also does is spread hate towards Israel and towards the United States. So when I hear that the president is planning on going to visit the Saudi, uh, the Saudi, the, the crown prince, uh, Mohammed bin Salam, on his trip, I, my immediate visceral reaction is that's outrageous. That's the kind of flip-flop we don't need. And I said I thought his record was good on this because not only did he say the right things about this in the past, he has done something that no president since 2001, since 9-11, has done, is that he began a process of declassifying the documents um, that were held secret from the 9-11 Commission um, that essentially talked about the Saudi role in 9-11. He had declassified those. Presidents had promised. Donald Trump had promised. Didn't do it. Barack Obama said he would consider it. Didn't do it. Every president since has basically not done that, which is what we need to get to the the truth to the bottom of. And furthermore, there is no great sign that the Saudis are any better today than they were during those years. The only reason they have any influence is that they sit on a bunch of oil. That's the only reason they have any influence. But the accountability also has to come from our official activity. So when Joe Biden says that he is going to go visit there, and now they've said they're not going to go in June, they're going to, going to go in July, and again, they're floating trial balloons. Well, if that's what they're floating, I want to strongly say that I don't believe that he should. I also, while we're on the subject, don't believe that Jared Kushner should be taking $2 billion of investment from that, from that, because that's blood money, period. That's blood money. Um, and I also, I know, some of you might be saying to your to your phone, and by the way, you can feel free to start dialing in, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. You might be saying, but wait a minute, Wiener, aren't you the guy that always comes on and saying, yes, but foreign policy is not black and white. It's a lot of middle ground. It's a lot of real politic. You've got to understand in order to solve problems, we need to be flexible. This has now been more than 20 years since September 11th. More than 20 years. We still know only a little bit more than we know then about the fact pattern that led to all of this. Now, by the way, when I was in Congress, I led the charge year after year to make sure that not a single dime, not a single dollar, not a single shekel, not a single pound went to the Saudis in the form of any kind of aid, military or otherwise. At first, we lost the votes. Then we won the votes. And then even after winning the votes, the administration, Democrat and Republican, kept doing it. We had to take away their waiver authority so that they could waive the rule. Now they don't even try. So this is something that I have. If you want to 
see some of my go to cspan.org and 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 put in my name in Saudi Arabia, you'll see me on the floor again and again and again and again. I think that the way you treat a pariah is to is to make them feel that they will never get the the type of audience with the president until they themselves come forward and accept accept their responsibility and the transparency. And the transparency is what we're going to talk about when we come back from the break. Because when we come back from the break, we have someone who knows this issue even better than I and more intimately than I. Someone that lost their husband on 9-11 and someone that has devoted her life to the idea of getting truth in the memory of her husband and the memory of, of her uh, and in the in honoring her three children who want to know this she's the the national chair of the 9-11 families united you're going to be interested in what she has to say because she doesn't agree with me on a fundamental point about this when we get back it's so great to have you on the middle on the other side we keep talking about saudi arabia and the united states it's great to have you along see you on the other side Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. The Middle, every Saturday between 2 and 3 or any time you want to tune in on the Red Apple Podcast Network, WABCRadio.com. You can hear it all across the country. We'll be here until 3 o'clock, and then Curtis Lewa comes in and joins us for Left versus Right. We're talking a little bit today about the issues of the day, but uh, particularly focusing on the the announcement. It's really hard to call it that. It was really the floated idea that Joe Biden... Will be um, will be visiting Saudi Arabia on his trip. Either they say not the end of this month; it's going to be in July. And my strong feeling that this is not a good idea. That I get the idea you need to do diplomacy. I get the idea we need their help in dealing with issues of energy policy and terrorism and everything else. I get that. But at the fundamental level, if we're going to say we are not going to, we are not going to. Um, Forget the lessons of September 11th. The first thing we need to do is get to the bottom of what happened on that fateful day and what happened leading up to it and what happened, honestly, what's happened since. You know, 15 of the 19 homicide bombers on 9-11 were Saudi citizens. And um, that's just the tip of the iceberg. It is not like, okay, this is just someone that happened to be in Saudi Arabia. Uh, We know when the history of a country is to support al-Qaeda like they do, the when you know when uh, when um, when Al Qaeda attacked us and continued to foment terrorism around the world, you know where did their money come from? They didn't have like a really good website and sell things on Esty. These are people that were essentially uh, were essentially paid by the Saudi government to leave them alone. If you notice, the Saudis are very rarely victims of terrorism. They pay terrorism to to, to happen elsewhere, including against uh, against Israel. So I believe that the visit is a bad idea. And a couple of people have, have, have asked the question online here, like when, when I say MBS, that, I apologize for being shorthand. That's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam. He is the de facto leader of the kingdom. He's not the king, but he's basically in charge. 
And that is who I imagine the president will be visiting with. But this, while we agree on an enormous amount, I, I, we agree on the fundamental question. And I'd like to bring, bring in a guest today um, who has really devoted her life for the last 20-some-odd years to the questions we're discussing today. Uh, it's Terry Strada. Terry's the national chair of 9-11 Families United. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Yeah, thank you for having me. Terry, tell us a little bit about what the 9-11 Families United um, is and also maybe a, 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 a few moments about uh, about your husband, Tom. Okay, yeah, sure. So the organization is uh, comprises of several 9-11 family members, uh, widows, children, parents, and we have been searching for all of the answers to our questions of who, why, and how this happened. And for the last 20 years, almost all the evidence that we've seen that's been uncovered leads back to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, as you mentioned, it is well-known fact that they support terrorism and that they support al-Qaeda financially. And we'll get into all the things that we have found out since our uh, quest for the truth. My, I lost my late my husband, Tom. Um, he was in the North Tower, worked for Canner Fitzgerald. Uh, wonderful man, wonderful father. And I met him when I was 19. It would have been our 30th wedding anniversary this past Monday. Uh, he's greatly missed by everybody. Uh, and so here we are, you know, 20 some years later, still trying to get to the truth. And we are getting closer and closer. Well, t- t- tell me and our listeners, we have this memory that there was this expansive report about what happened on 9-11. The 9-11 Commission reported, some people called it the the the, the, the a blue ribbon panel. Some people also said it was an example of how to really do a good investigative report. But tell us about that report vis-a-vis the Saudis and what people refer to when they talk about the 28 pages. Okay, so the 9-11 Commission is really an outdated body of work, you know, 20 years later. It was, I, I've never held it to be the holy grail of, of what happened. They were never given proper funding to do thorough investigations, and they were not given the amount of time it would take to do a full investigation into the kingdom. So they fell very short of findings on the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and it needed to be continued, which it did. The CIA, the FBI picked up the where they left off and started to do their own investigations. And we'll get into that and how secret that's been. Uh, The 28 pages that you're talking about came from the joint inquiry into the intelligence activities before and after 9-11. And that was under President Bush, who, again, my opinion, did not fund the 9-11 Commission properly or, like I said, given time. But the joint commission was – the Senate Intelligence Committee and the House Intelligence Committee did their own investigation into the intelligence community to find out where the shortcomings were. And there were several. But there was also a chapter that had to do with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia that President George Bush completely excised. Nobody had ever seen anything like it before. It wasn't redacted. It wasn't, um, you know, missing some of it. He just completely excised the entire chapter, which meant he made the choice back then to not let the American people or the 9-11 families know the extent that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia was involved in September 11th attacks. And, and, just, and just to put a fine point on that, presidents almost have a unilateral by the stroke of their own pen 
ability to classify things, anything from from eyes only to classified for certain purposes to completely make them essentially disappear like he did in this case, right? It's really the president that can do that. Yes, and it was the president that did do that. He made the unilateral choice to protect the kingdom of Saudi Arabia over the interests of the American people and the 9-11 families. So we have been met with disdain and uh you know, a, a lot of uh, difficulties over the years with every administration uh, since 9-11. And they've always put the kingdom first, the 9-11 families last. And tell us, before we get into the news of today, tell a little bit about why it is that the Saudis are kind of afraid of you and your group. You're, you're, you, you're in court against them, are you not? Yes, that is true. We have filed a lawsuit against the kingdom. It took us years uh, before the courts would stop misinterpreting the law and dismissing them on sovereign immunity, which they were not entitled to because no one is entitled to sovereign immunity if they're involved in a terrorist attack. Uh, We had to go to Congress and enact legislation, which took seven years. I was involved with that for four years, committed my time and my my money, my efforts uh, while I was a single mom in New Jersey, traveling back and forth to Washington, D.C. And we finally won and got Congress on our side, and it was enacted into law. And that's the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act. And what that did was allowed us to go back to the courts, present our evidence, and the judge said there was enough there that they are not entitled to sovereign immunity. And under the law of JASTA, they would now be not be dismissed and that they would have to face the music and, and fight with us. The problem is that they went and asked for a protective order. Uh, the kingdom asked for the protective order on the case, and the FBI asked for a protective order on all of the uh, information that would be released. And this is why the public doesn't really know about it very much, because the media doesn't cover it because it's all under protective order. Uh, but prior to COVID, when we were in the courts, and I went to every court you know, that I could possibly attend and would sit there and, and listen to their arguments, and, and they're losing. They are losing in the courtroom, um, but they will lose big time now that all of this information is now coming out. And the reason we now have evidence that we've never seen before is because last September, Senator Menendez and his staff worked very hard on the 2021 um, 9-11 Transparency Act. And the president, Biden, took that upon himself and turned it into an executive order. And what that did was it ordered the Department of Justice to go back through their files, every single um, investigative report concerning the Saudis that was classified or even state secret stamped across it, now had to be go through a review process. And in this review process, they're following the law way better than any other administration ever has, and they are declassifying a lot of information. And I don't get to see all of it. If, if you were to go to the FBI vault and look at these documents, they would still look heavily redacted. But our representatives in court are allowed to see so much more. And I've learned a lot. I've learned about – I think we've always known – We've reported for years that there was a support network within the United States that met and greeted these hijackers and helped them achieve what they needed, flying lessons, you know, um, apartments, driver's licenses, all of that. 
we never knew exactly. We had our suspicions, but now we know through these documents that it was the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, their agents, they sent over here. They filtered them through the Ministry of Islamic Affairs. It was filled with radicals who had connections to al-Qaeda. They were speaking to al-Qaeda operatives at the very same time. They were speaking with the hijackers, and they sent out their handlers to provide them with everything they needed. Um, so, yeah, 100%. Well, yeah, so well, just want to want to uh, let let folks in who are just, just tuning in. This is Terry Strada we're talking to. She's the national chair of 9-11 Families United. She lost her husband, Tom, in the North Tower on that fateful day. And she would have had, um, must be a difficult time, that you would have been celebrating your 30th wedding anniversary. Now, let's let's catch up today. But I, before, I, I just want to make sure that listeners understood some of the parts that you were saying and how they all go together. You know, this lawsuit that you've brought, that the Saudis are fighting so hard, they're fighting in a couple of ways. One, to keep the proceedings as quiet as possible, to make it as hard as possible for the media to find out about it. And then two... The underlying documents, even when you get them, are very hard to use. I was a member of Congress, and one of the dangers of looking at classified documents is once you look at them, you can never talk about them. So it's kind of like anyone talking about these issues doesn't know, and anyone who doesn't, who, who knows can't talk, and that's a real bind that you're in. And you've put an enormous amount of pressure on the Saudis. Now let's jump to the news of the day because you and I kind of reach a different conclusion on what's next. And you give President Biden credit for beginning the declassification review. So do I. Um, I think that he should not go and be sitting down with MBS right now, that they have not done enough to satisfy your demands and basic demands of transparency, putting aside the Khashoggi thing, putting aside the funding of terrorism elsewhere, putting aside how unhelpful they've been on economic issues. Tell me about if, if the president does go and meet with him, what you'd like him to say to MBS and what should be the ground rules for them going in the first place. Right. So, you know, I have mixed feelings about him going, but it's been reported that he is going. So if that is the case, then, yes, I very much would like for President Biden to pay very close attention to what we are saying and that is you cannot reset this relationship with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia unless you have a very um, candid discussion about the September 11th attacks and the role that their country played. So it's imperative that we don't just go business as usual, right? Don't go over there and say, oh, we'd like to make an oil deal with you. No, we need them to confront what the, the level of um, – involvement the country had in funding terrorism and the 9-11 attacks and murdering thousands on American soil. It cannot be swept under the rug anymore since all of this new evidence is out there. You know, this is the first administration that has the information is public. Uh, While I say some of it's still redacted, I am seeing things that shock me. I'm seeing names of Saudi nationals that were within the Ministry of Islamic Affairs directing other Saudi nationals to go out and handle the first arriving hijackers and the rest of them that were in this country. And they were moving along because now we have, we've never had phone records before. We have phone records now. We can see that these people, while they're talking to the hijackers, are also talking to al-Qaeda operatives. There is no denying their culpability. They need to take ownership for it. Um, MBS is trying very hard to go out and to look respected on the world stage. He does not deserve an ounce of respect until he deals with some of these issues. 9-11 is one of them. Um, he wants these golfers now to join you know, his new tournament. 
nobody should do any business with him until he reconciles the amount of pain and suffering that his country imposed on this country and my family and all the other families. And we need them to denounce terrorism and the terrorism funding. This country needs to get very tough on that. Well, I think that is a perfect way to to put a uh, exclamation point. I agree with that part 100 percent. I'm amazingly impressed with your organization, with all that you have done. I think that um, that the, the the way you are keeping the memory alive, not just by commemorating, but also with action. Is there a website that our listeners can go check out some of the work that your organization is doing? Yes, it is the www.911, but it's 911familiesunited.org. And they could see the last the letter that we just sent and, and all of the press that's come with it and all of the other work that we've done, because you're right. Thank you. It's been a very long and difficult road, uh, but we're making success. We're having success and we will not stop until we have a full accounting of what happened so we can protect ourselves going forward. My children were seven, four and four days old on September 11th. I want to make sure that this country has a full understanding so that we can protect ourselves going forward. It's imperative that we know everything. Tara Strata, the uh, National Chair of 9-11 Families United, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you come back and keep us updated. And when we come back from the break, we're going to take some calls about this and anything else. 800-848-WABC. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. See you on the other side. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. The Interrupters leading us back in here at the middle every Saturday from 2 to 3. Thank you so much for joining me on this beautiful day. I'm glad to be a part of your afternoon and you're a part of mine. The board is full up with questions. A lot of people weighing in about uh, the conversation we just had. I mean, honestly, I mean, I have so much respect for Terry and Terry Strada and the other folks who, you know, these are brutally difficult issues, even just dealing with the challenges of your family and dealing with the challenges of recovering from September 11th. And it's been 20 years. I mean, it's hard to believe. And so many times we commemorate it. But for these people who are still trying to get the truth, I hope Godspeed that she is able to um, and she's made a lot of progress, maybe more than I made in my 10 years in Congress trying to take on the Saudis. So we're going to go to the calls, 800 848 WABC 800-848-9222. And um, you can talk about the Saudis, talk about the other issues of the week, or you can weigh in on the name of the show. We had it was called the Anthony Weiner Show last week. It's called The Middle. I'm sure that Curtis already texted me and says maybe you should call it The Muddle. No, thank you, Curtis. We're doing fine without your clever suggestions, but he'll be in. And we're also going to talk to him about Eric Adams' not very good week up in Albany. But we'll go to the calls now. First up is Helena in South Orange. Helena, thank you so much for checking in. Thank you very much. First of all, I want to wish you yes, your on having your own program. Thank you, dear. 
you do know what I said. I do. I do. I appreciate okay. it. Uh, you're right. Uh, you, um, you, you want me to have honor and COVID and, yeah, and, yeah. and good luck. I, I, I can't translate it. It's not <laughs> okay, to trans- translate it. Okay. Um, you know, uh, I have been following this business with Biden going to Saudi Arabia. I'm sure you're aware that they will not accept his phone calls. No, that's the, they, the, there was a story that they had tried to All connect right, earlier. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They, wait have, a minute, spoke, they have spoken, Elena. What I would like to say, I was a student at Seton Hall University in South Orange. I have a master's from Seton Hall. I was an honor student. I was uh, elected to a number of honor societies. Today, I am banned from Seton Hall University. Why? Because in, uh, um, in 2003, they had a Prince Turki al-Faisal staking. He was, at the time, the chief of intelligence of Saudi Arabia, uh, denying their connection with 9-11. Unfortunately, and I don't want to go into the gory details, unfortunately today, they refused to even acknowledge that there was anyone on their campus from Saudi Arabia. Yeah, hey, look, can I, can I tell you, Helena, and thank you so much for calling. Uh, feel free to call us back. You know, we... Rich has also uh, had been banned. They have police tape around his own dorm room back at Seton Hall, so you're not the only one. But in all seriousness, there there is a concerted effort by the Saudis to kind of live in these two worlds. One is being the place that you know you has golf tournaments and 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 funds fancy buildings and things like that, and is a is a part of the world community. And on the other hand, they commit acts of terrorism, export terrorism, more importantly. And should be treated like pariahs. You're 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 exactly right, uh, Andrew and Stanhope. Go ahead, Andrew. Thank you for holding on. Great call, Helena. I grew up in South Orange, near Seton Hall, but I'm far from an honor student. <laughs> I'm dyslexic, but um, I lost some friends. I worked in the towers at Windows on the World, but it was for me luckily part time, and I wasn't there that day. So I love the work that your guest is doing, and. Um, the question I have is uh, Bush and now uh, Biden, why were they friendly with the Saudis? Was it for oil? Why is uh, Biden contacting them now to get a good deal on oil to bring prices down when we have our own oil? And speaking of Saudi Arabia, Pennsylvania, they're called the Saudi Arabia of natural gas. So shouldn't we exploit for for national security reasons also, shouldn't we use our own domestic natural gas and oil? So is that why Bush was friendly with the Saudis to get a good deal on oil? Well, I got to say, Andrew, thank you for the for the call. I mean, it's not just Bush and not just I mean, Donald Trump was very close with the Saudis. His and and uh, his his son-in-law just got a big, big deal with him. What part? Of, and so a big contribution to the to the uh, presidential museums of Bill Clinton of of H.W. Bush, one of the ways that the Saudis keep good relations with presidents is they make it very clear that they're going to be financially supportive of those presidents' activities after they leave. But it's money. That's what it comes down to. It is money. Now, Joe Biden did what no one else has done, as was as um, as was previously mentioned. He he declassified these documents. He said on the campaign show, "We're going to treat them like a pariah." He has actually been much tougher than anyone else. I think, you're, though, you're on to something. I mean, there's no doubt about it. One of the reasons that this is, I mean, they're, they're, it's nuanced. One of the reasons is we need them to pump more oil. 
Also, there has been cooperation, increasing cooperation with Israel, although it hasn't led the Saudis to stop funding terrorism. They're the Abraham Accords. I'm a big, you know, I'm, again, you know I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, but the work on the Abraham Accords, bringing more moderate Arab states into um, into partnership or at least into treaties with the state of Israel. So they may be trying to encourage them to do that. There was a there was a ceasefire recently in the Saudi war with Yemen. And so there are some reasons for them to do it. I don't think I think that so long as the questions remain of September 11th that were previously laid out by Terra Strata and the 9-11 Families United and so many other people, until those things are resolved, we don't sit down. We just don't do it. And I think that that's the that's the bottom line issue. Not that there are not reasons to maybe sit down with your enemies. I'm just saying um, that's not the time to do it is until they they come clean. Um, next up is Elizabeth in Manhattan. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Okay, listen. I was married to one of these people. I lived on the West Bank. I lived in Saudi Arabia. There is no such thing over there as the truth. None. Truth does not exist. The only thing that exists is what's uh, supposedly going to help them. Expediency. That is it. And they will never... It's it's dishonorable to tell the truth. It means you're weak. I got to tell you, Elizabeth, some people listening to that might think that is overly harsh, but you're not wrong. In all of my understandings, you know, dealing, and I appreciate your call, calls again, in all of our, in all of my understanding of dealing with these issues of the Middle East when I was a member of Congress, I would talk sometimes to these negotiators on the Israeli side that were dealing with the Palestinians. And I would say to them, you know, they're not going to make these commitments and then violate them. And repeatedly, that's exactly what would happen. And what they explained to me is that there is a different notion of truth when it comes to these types of negotiations. As Elizabeth said, and I know it sounds it sounds harsh, but there is a different dialogue that goes in in that in that part of the world. It's all about pursuing interests, not necessarily this notion of honorable truth telling. And so I think that's right. But in the case of the Saudis, it's also not at all accepting responsibility. You know, I've mentioned before in this program, I'm, I'm in recovery, and part of my, my, my path to recovery is accepting responsibility for the things I've done to harm my community, to harm my family, et cetera. You cannot get back to a place that you should be considered one of the, the nations of the world that you can deal with until you speak the truth about what you've done in the past. And the Saudis have blood on their hands. And we and it's not just any old offense. This is attacking our country on 9-11-2001. Um, Fifteen of the 19 homicide bombers came from Saudi Arabia, and we must know that. Uh, we, we must uh, hold them accountable for that. Um, next is Steve in Central Jersey. Go ahead, Steve. Hi, Anthony. I Again, you're coming down the middle. You're doing a good job, except you're leaving out one important element. Who are the or the person who would happen to have the most knowledge as society connection? Bill Clinton. What knowledge of what, Steve? Of the Saudi connection to 9/11, Bill Clinton. He was getting intelligence report. Remember the the strategical and statistical planning for 9/11 went on largely on his watch. Five unanswered terrorist attacks, Anthony. Remember, remember. All right. And by the way, and I'm, please, I understand this is not to. It, implicate your ex-wife, the mother of your child, but you're 
she did work for Hillary for a while. So, Bill Clinton, what about the Clinton connection? Well, I, I understand this is classified information. They can't bring it out now, okay? But one person to me who would seem to have the most knowledge here, besides Joe Biden, as to the Saudi connection to 9-11 would be Bill Clinton. What Every president, Steve, Steve, I, I appreciate your calling and, and call us back again. Every president has had this access to this information. Every president. And they've chosen to keep it quiet until now. Joe Biden, as we just heard Terry Strata say, Joe Biden is, is someone that – now, in terms of, of, of Bill Clinton, I just got done saying, you know, Steve, sometimes you call and it's like you didn't listen to the rest of the show. Well, listen to all my words. Some of them are actually pretty good. I said a big donation to the Clinton Library came from the Saudis, just as it did to HW, just as it did to W. Every president along the way has some level of culpability. Now, obviously – President Clinton was um, was was before 9-11, but still every president has some culpability for, for keeping these things quiet. I mean, this is not even an issue anymore of al-Qaeda to some degree. Yes, we know al-Qaeda was funded by the Saudis. When 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 Osama bin Laden went off to live in, the, in, in a cave in Afghanistan, he didn't do it with money that he got from investing in Microsoft stock. He was paid by the Saudis to leave their country with as much as what people think might be a billion with a B dollars. Yes, but now the Saudis have to get get they're the closest, straightest line of accountability. I said president after president, and if you're going to be upset at Bill Clinton, you better darn be well upset at at um at uh, uh, the president's son-in-law getting two billion dollars from it. Not ten years ago, last month. Last month, when, when the, 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 the Saudi financial investors themselves said that he shouldn't be getting the money, he still got it. And why is that? Because this is the way the Saudis keep their influence. And until we keep the pressure on every president, in, in Joe Biden, I'm a Democrat, I want to keep pressure on him. If he is going to go visit, do what Terry Strada said, which is you only go visit if they make a commitment to have transparency about their support of the, of the, the terrorists that attacked our country on September 11th. Great call, though. Thank you very much for calling. We're going to come go to a break, and then we come back. A couple more calls. A couple of people might be making suggestions on what the show should be called. This is, for now, this is The Middle. Great to have you here. We'll see you on the other side. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. And welcome back to The Middle. Elvis Costello bringing us in Radio Radio. Now that I have my own show, I guess I can... Pretty much kind of keep pushing the envelope on what kind of music we have. We've had the Primitives today. We had, uh, who am I forgetting? We had the Primitives. Oh, we had the Interrupters. So uh, we're getting a little edgy here, I'm sure. That's another thing that Curtis can give me a hard time about. Also, now that I'm on show, I can start pushing back. I've got an hour that I know he can't just barge into the room. And so he'll be with us on left versus right. Maybe we should think about rebranding that show because he and I agree on a lot of stuff. I think we're going to agree about Eric Adams has not had a great week. He's been struggling a little bit. If he wants to run for president or whatever else, it's got to be uh, he's got to start doing something. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Rich, Diego, Kevin on the other side of the glass helping me out. This is always available, by the way, on WABCradio.com. You can take us to the to the beach. You can check out the podcast. The podcast comes out usually the same day 
on the Red Apple Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's go back to the calls. We have the lines are, are pretty full. Uh, we've got Jake in Brooklyn. Jake, go ahead, buddy. Anthony, how you doing today? I just want to compliment you on your new show, and um, I just wish your your political career, career you could have grew a, a lot more than you know what happened. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, because you're a very smart man. And do you use your left or your right hand? That's very funny. Uh, next up is is this F Frank F Frank in Astoria? Yes, it is, uh, Anthony. I want to ask you something because you have experience with this issue. I committed an infraction with the FCC back in November, and, uh, you know, the owner of the station, Katsimatidis, uh, through Curtis Lewa, uh, he stated that it's been 35 years. Its uh, management has banned E. Frank from Astoria. You know, I've been violating it a little bit, and I was just wondering if you have the ability or you have the... Well, we appreciate it, Frank. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that for you. Uh, next, let's go to Ted in New Jersey. Ted, go ahead. Hello, Anthony. Okay. You know, we talk about pariah states, but we give China all this money and business when they sell human body parts around the world and have slave labor camps and profit. And the NBA bows down to them and Disney for money. Why don't we take this similar action with these evil empires along with the Saudi Arabia? Well, let me ask you, Ted, are you prepared to, to put your money where your mouth is? I mean, and the reason I say that is that we as consumers are buying products that are made in China all the time with that slave labor. I don't know what kind of shoes you're wearing. I'm, I'm wearing some Nikes now. I bet you if I looked at the tag, uh, I might see that it was made in China. There are parts of our automobiles, parts of our computers, parts of our furniture, parts of our clothing. I agree with you, man. I think that if I asked... A hundred Americans, and I appreciate your calling, Ted. Call us again. If I asked a hundred Americans, are you prepared to pay, pick a number, 5% more, 10% more for all of your products if it meant that it, that it weakened and decapitated the Chinese? And I bet you people would say yes, but we don't do that. We go out and we shop for the best price. I've talked about it on the air before. I remember back in the day, I went to school at Plattsburgh, New York, upstate New York, and so we would sometimes get TV commercials for Walmart. We never had Walmart here in New York, so I, it was only up there that I got to see them. And they had these ads where you walk through the aisles, and they would proudly have little American flags on the aisles showing all the American-made products they have. Well, obviously, they don't do that anymore because now they've turned not to focusing on that but focusing on low cost, and that's what gives the Chinese the power. They have 2 billion people there. They don't pay them what we pay. They don't have the environmental standards. They have they have maybe as much as a million Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps as we speak. But at the end of the day, we consumers here in the United States of America still want our cheap stuff. And so we keep supporting the Chinese. But I, I agree, man. I, I, I think that, that we should stand up um, against those kind of rogue nations by putting our money. And to some degree, by the way, we're doing that today because we're paying higher prices for stuff because of our support um, for Ukraine in that war, right? I mean, when you cut off energy, when you cut off these different things, we are in a way, and you, you could, I don't want to get into a rabbit's hole of how much of it belongs in that responsibility, but some of the inflation is because we're, there's, there's a, a wartime now. Um, we have time maybe for me to say one more thing, and that is to express one more time my gratitude to all of you for, for, for tuning in. Um, among the numbers that I didn't talk about at the top, one is three. We are now the third highest ranked at this time at 2 o'clock. 
the third highest ranked and third most listened to news and talk show in the entire uh, area, and that's amazing. I don't know why people want to tune into those guys just giving you the, the traffic and weather every five minutes, but we're going to pass them to with your help. Thank you for everything. This is The Middle. Every Saturday, 2 to 3, we'll be coming right back on the other side with Curtis Lewa with Left versus Right. Thanks again. Have a great day.